he wants attention and wants me to play with him. And, and I'm, you know, sometimes I get buried in like, well, I need to get these dishes done. But then I have to think really, when you think about it, years down the road, is he going to say, boy, you know, my mom sure had clean dishes when I was a kid. Welcome to episode 51 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Angela. She used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Angela, for your generous contribution. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Are you often unsure what to do next? Do you struggle with indecision? Do you have too many choices? Do you have no choices? Today, we'll talk about the slogan, First Things First. Join us live, and you can contribute from the chat room. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the slogan, First Things First. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Maria. How are you today, Maria? I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm doing pretty well. I was kind of sleepy this morning, but I think I got over it. Next to Maria is our special guest host, Adrian. How are you doing, Adrian? I'm doing great. Thanks. All right. We're glad you're here. The first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the slogan, First Things First. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. I'm going to start with a reading. This is from our daily reader, Courage to Change. It's the August 16th reading from page 229. During stressful periods, it can be tempting to skip a meal, push ourselves until we are totally exhausted, and generally ignore our basic needs. In the midst of crisis, taking time out for an Al-Anon meeting, a call to a sponsor, or a breath of fresh air may seem like a waste of all too precious moments. There don't seem to be enough hours in a day, and something has to go. But are we choosing wisely? At the very time we most need to take good care of ourselves, we are likely to do the opposite. If we decide that our needs are unimportant, or that we're too busy, we sabotage our own best interests. In times of crisis, we need to be at our best. By making an extra effort to get nutritious food, sleep, al support, relaxation, and quiet time with our higher power, we strengthen ourselves physically, emotionally, and spiritually. This can make a difficult situation a little easier. As I said, my name is Spencer, and let's start talking about this slogan. And I want to uh, start out by um, sort of looking back and, and thinking about how did we make decisions, how did we set priorities maybe before we came into the program, uh, whether that was in your life with drinking or, or maybe before that. Maria, do you want to start with that, that thought? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, not very well. <laughs> um, it took me a long time to make any decisions and I would spend a lot of time just stressing out about things and trying to decide what to do or what was important, what wasn't important. Um, I think a lot of the problem was just that I was in such a people pleasing kind of mode that, um, that a lot of what there what was shaping my decision was, well, this person wants me to do this other thing, and then this other person says I should do this, 
and I'm kind of getting vibes from over here that I should do this other thing and I don't even know. And then, you know, meanwhile, somebody else is pressuring me like, hurry up, we got to do, you know, whatever, we got to do this right now. And, you know, so I would kind of be just like, just kind of bouncing from one thing to another, none of which were really my ideas of what I wanted to do. Um, and, hmm. and then also living with active, active drinking, um, there was a lot of just kind of going from one crisis to the next. And so there'd be, you know, deal with this one thing that it's a crisis. So everything else, you just have to drop it and deal with the crisis, you know, then there'd be something else. There'd be a different crisis. So between all of that, I really just kind of, I was very reactionary or, um, yeah. Like, that, that sounds very familiar. Adrian, did you have a similar experience or? Um, yeah, definitely a similar experience. Um, basically there was, there was, it seems like there was always something about to blow up at, at any given time. Um, so, um, it was really sort of more of a random rushing from thing to thing. Uh, there's always the assumption that I made that I was the one that had to handle everything also. Um, that was, um, yeah, that doesn't help, does it? No, no, it doesn't. And so everything seemed to be a priority, whether it was a, a, an emergency for me or emergency for, you know, somebody else. Um, and often I would uh, make my decision about what to do based on, okay, well, what's going to, what's going to get me the most appreciation perhaps even. Mm. Um, (laughs) Oh yeah. So I, I, I was a rescuer and trying to, you know, trying to do everything for, for everybody else. And, um, then neglecting the things that were actually important to me. So my priorities, the things that were more important to me personally were put on hold while I played the hero, you know? Yeah. I, I, I really relate to, to both of you in the aspect of, Doing things that other people wanted wanted me to do, and also in in not doing things that that I wanted to do because nobody else wanted to do them. Mm-hmm. That was uh, definitely part of my my codependent upbringing. It's behavior that uh, definitely my mother models for me very well. Uh, I I think I'm pretty sure I learned it from her, and uh, somehow my needs tended to get lost. And this particularly was true as the number of sort of external demands on me grew as I, you know, had a family. I mean, like when you have babies, they, they run it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> they, they, they can't do anything for themselves. And so, you know, we have to do everything for them. But then, you know, when the alcoholic in the, in the family becomes another baby, then, all of a sudden, a person that should be maybe picking up some of the load is becoming very demanding and maybe even better able to make demands than the babies mm-hmm. or the toddlers or whatever, you know. And um, so I didn't, I, I don't recall ever thinking about sort of, and particularly as it said in the reading, you know, what is the right thing for me to do for my own physical, emotional, spiritual health? I don't think I really ever would think about that question. I mean, I would do things that I wanted to do. I would do fun things. But um, when it came down to sort of prioritizing, you know, fixing some crisis over not getting caught up in the crisis so that I could stay a little bit more sane, that never happened. Well, there's also the thing, I have to admit, that, you know, as I uh, took care of various crises, um, I guess 
I took care of them whether the other person wanted them taken care of or not. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that factor. It's not that somebody was necessarily being demanding. It's just, you know, me running around trying to put Band-Aids everywhere um, on, mm -hmm. on problems. Yeah, yeah, that is that is often true. One of the readings that I was looking at talked about the difference between urgent and important. And I know I have trouble still sometimes with the difference between urgent and important. You know, urgent, it needs to be done right now. It needs to be done very quickly, very, very quickly at least, because if we don't do it, something's going to go horribly wrong. Uh, something's going to break. Something's not going to happen that needs to happen. And and as opposed to, and I remember um, my wife telling me this long time ago that she had a whole bunch of things, you know, files that were things that were important but not urgent. And unless she made time in her workday to get to those things, they never got done because the urgent things always took over. Mm -hmm. And I have that certainly have that problem sometimes in my work life where there's there's something that's important to get done but it doesn't need to get done for another month or two and then there's all these as we say fires that happen that seem to need putting out right away and and they're urgent and so how have you guys faced this question and and do you maybe how do you distinguish and how do you how do you make time for the important things or do you Maybe Adrian. Um, well, there's always urgent things. I mean, no matter no matter what, I I think there are fewer urgent things now in my life now that I'm in the program than there were in the past. Um, yeah, and I, I sort of uh, label as urgent things things with with real deadlines, real time deadlines, or emergencies that pop up that have to be dealt with. Um, animals need to go to the vet, or um, I have to deal with. Uh, banks or you know things where you actually have real you know there's a, there's a timeline um and then the important things <clears throat> actually um as i was sort of thinking about this earlier i was thinking ur urgent things are things that we have to react to mm. um whereas important things are things that we act on um so you know gen our general work that we do on a daily basis um Things like meeting our responsibilities to others, service work, um, helping family, uh, walking the dog, meditation, uh, getting to therapy, you know, my son's swim classes. Those kinds of things are they're expected, um, <clears throat> important things. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the crises do sometimes step in and interfere with that. Um, it's not quite as scary when they do anymore, I, I think, because um, important things can be rescheduled. There are things that you can move around. Um, so it's I, I, whereas I used to think that everything was was urgent and that the world, you know, the sky would fall if if my son had to miss a swim class. It's not it, <laughs> it loses its importance. You know that mm -hmm. there really are more important things to worry about. So I don't know if that answers. <laughs> by you, Maria, your thoughts on this urgent um, versus important question? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely an important distinction. Um, for me, just learning in Al-Anon kind of more where I end and somebody else begins was really helpful in determining what's urgent for me 
versus what's urgent for someone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's, you know, is it a crisis for me or is it someone else's crisis? Um, there's, there's one thing that I hear people in the program say a lot, which is a failure to plan on your behalf does not constitute a crisis on my behalf. So, you know, that I think of that a lot. Like, okay, this is a crisis, but is it my crisis? Or maybe the person who caused the crisis in the first place should be the one dealing with it. And, you know, it really doesn't even involve me. And so I can just stay content doing what I'm doing and not need to react to it. Um, But, yeah, do I, as far as a question of do I uh, make time for things that are important versus urgent I try to. Um, honestly, it is something that I struggle with because there are so many things. Um, it's, it's, I don't know. It's it's tricky because I feel like there are too many first things and they can't all be first. So you know, how do you sort that out? I, I'm not quite sure. I'm still working on it. Right. Yeah. And um, so. I, I'm thinking about this, and I'm, I'm looking. You know, the the slogan "First Things First, and this is a tool that seems like can help us as we try to, you know, work through this. What's what? What do I need to do? What do I really need to do? I loved your react versus act, uh, Adrian. That I hadn't really thought about it that way before, but it's very true that that the the, the urgent things are the things that we react to, um, and the important things are the things that we can take action on. And also the question is, is it, is it my urgent thing or is it somebody else's urgent thing is a, is a really good question to, to keep in mind. Um, I have actually, uh, an example that, that happened last night. I, I had eaten with a friend who was celebrating, a a, a milestone in her life in the afternoon. She had a bunch of people invited us to, to come celebrate with her at a restaurant. And so, I got home about dinner time and I was not hungry. And um, my wife and our boarder, of course, were hungry because they hadn't just eaten this chocolate and whipped cream confection in the middle of the <laughs> afternoon. It really did. I was not hungry the rest of the day. Um, and uh, so I offered to to go pick up sandwiches for them at the at the sub shop. And I and I brought it back and I said, "Here it is." and and I went and I sat down, and and then my wife said, "Hey, could you get us some plates and silverware?" And my thought was, you know, that's not my. <laughs> I don't want to say that's not my problem, but that's sort of the the thought there. You know, it's not my urgency. And uh, our our boarder jumped up and said, "Oh, I'll get them." Like, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't know if I should tell that story, but there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so if we look at this slogan, first things first, and, and every time I see this, I think about it. I'm going to digress here for a moment. I was listening to a speaker talk, Alan on speaker talk, and uh, um, the woman was, was telling a story on herself about, uh, you know, uh, she was, I don't know, she went to her sponsor with some problem, you know, how do I, how, how will I know when... You know, I, I've done the right thing or whatever. And her sponsor is like, well, you'll know when you know. And she said, you know, this is, for those of you who want to be sponsors, she said, here's a big word of wisdom. Just say things twice and you'll sound so wise, you know. It is what it is. You'll know when it's, <laughs> you'll know when you know. First things first. First things first, exactly, yeah. I was like, oh, geez. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. Um, 
All those things, you've probably heard your sponsor say those to you, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It is what it is. Ah, damn it. That means acceptance, right? Yeah. Um, so first things first, just say things twice and you sound so wise. Um, and, and Maria, you raised a really good question. Well, how do I know what's the first thing? But, but before we get to that, um, I just want to reflect a little bit on, on how we can maybe use this slogan to help us when we're trying to decide, like, between an urgent thing and an important thing, or between two urgent things. And, and you know, you, you brought up one of those, which is, is this my thing? You know, if it's not my thing, then it's probably not the first thing I should be looking at. Hmm. Um, I don't know. What, do, do you have any thoughts on that, Adrian? How we can use first things first to help us when we're faced with, like, a lot of choices? Um, I think especially when we're facing a lot of choices, the first thing first would be, um, probably doing something like meditating, praying. If we really can't decide what comes first, um, the first thing we can, we should probably do is ask, maybe ask somebody else, uh, run it by your sponsor, like yeah. you just said. Um, you'll know when you know. Yeah, I'll know, when I know. <laughs> Thanks, <right>. Spencer. <laughs> It's all clear now. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, when uh, I guess knowing that not everything's an emergency, um, boy, needs versus wants um, is, a, is a big one for me is when I'm making priorities. Is right. it something that I need versus something that I want? Not that wants aren't important because, you know, it's important to fit in those wants in mm -hmm. your day. That So mm -hmm. in a way, your wants can be a need. <laughs> But, um, you know, taking care of the things that really do need to be taken care of. Um, if I have a list of 10 things to do in the day um, and uh, three of those are wants, I kind of have to move the wants to the end. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, actually, I want to think about uh, think about this morning. Um, so I had been going fairly regularly to the gym. And then life got busy, and I stopped going. And I kept telling myself, you know, you really need to get back to the gym, but, well, you can't do it today. You don't have time. Maybe maybe tomorrow. And then tomorrow would come, and, and there would be all these little things that have to, I have to do, and, well, no time to go to the gym. And this morning, I got up, and I was just about ready to turn on the shower. And it was like 7. And I thought... And I was thinking, well, I don't think I'm going to have time to go to the gym today because it's Sunday. They close at seven. I'm doing the podcast. I got a meeting. And then I thought, I could go right now. And that was very clearly a first thing that I could do first. You know, I could go to the gym before my shower. I wouldn't have to shower twice. Whoa. Because <laughs> I tell you what, when I go to the gym, I need a shower afterwards. Like, I don't even want to drive home with myself. <laughs> Which I did this morning because then I could shower in my own shower instead of the one at the gym. But uh, and and that you know, and I thought about that in this in this context of taking care of yourself, where taking care of myself is important. Uh, I'm not getting younger, uh, and I could see some some body numbers changing as I was not exercising. That uh, they were going in the direction I didn't want them to be going, and it's like okay, this is important to do, but but all these other urgent things are getting in the way. Uh, and and really thinking about yeah okay I need to reprioritize I need to to put that first so that I can do it um, yeah I don't know Maria um, 
Yeah, so for me, a lot of my struggle with this slogan is that basically it it makes me confront the fact that we live in a world of limited resources. There's there's only so much time. There's only so much energy. There's only so much money. And, <sighs> you know, basically it kind of points to we can't have it all. So, you know, if we could have it all, you could do it in whatever you wanted, whatever order you wanted to because you can have it all, but we can't. So we have to focus on the first things first because we're probably not going to get to the last things. Um, and so, um, for me, I, I struggle with overcommitting myself to things because I'm just, I'm drawn to new, exciting things that are kind of more fun than, you know, washing the dishes or, you know, all those other basic things that also need doing. Um, and so for me, uh, this, this slogan helps me be more realistic. Um, and so for me getting, it's kind of about getting back to basics and so I can, I can theoretically, you know, sometimes I'll sit around during a weekend and think, well, what am I going to do this weekend? I could do this or I could do that or like there's this other thing or, you know, and my mind starts spinning with like all these possibilities. And then I realize like, okay, wait, just like take a breath, get back to basics. Like what do I absolutely need to have done before the next work week starts? I need food. I need you know, I need food to eat. I'm going to need clothes to wear. Um, you know, ideally, it'd be nice if the house was slightly cleanish. Um, and so, you know, at some point during the weekend, I need to get groceries so that there will be food. And I need to maybe cook some of those groceries so that there is food and make sure that there are clothes that are clean and that put away so that I can find stuff instead of getting up and, you know, running around and getting myself all stressed out because I can't find a pair of socks in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um so, so for me, it's a lot about getting back to basics, and that helps me kind of figure out what's what's important. Um, also, as far as uh, as far as limited resources in regards to money, I've heard people say that the the basics there are food, shelter, transportation, and utilities, and like those four things are like that's your basics, and you need to start there, and then maybe. If there's anything left, then you could worry about other things like fun things or whatever, but you kind of got to got to get the basics covered. And so that's kind of that helps me figure out what's first things first sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's that's um, that's great stuff and made me think also about like if you talk to like financial advisor, financial planner, they always say pay yourself first. Mm-hmm. Um, and depending like on our job or whatever, our employment, maybe we get to contribute to a retirement plan. Maybe we don't. Uh, and, and to me, that's, that's been very helpful because otherwise I don't know if I would have very much money for retirement if they weren't taking it out of my paycheck before I even see it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting paid first. Uh, and I won't, you know, I don't see that money right now, but. I will be really happy for it later on. And that's, that's a really, you know, that's a great example, I think. Um, and I was also thinking about, you know, it's not just, and, and I come back to the reading. It's not just like, what are the things I need to get done this weekend in order to, but also what are the things that I need to keep on doing so that my life stays good, mm-hmm. so that my life stays healthy, so that my body stays healthy, my spirit stays healthy. Uh, and I remember, when I first came to Al-Anon thinking, wow, these meetings are really going to take a lot of time out of my 
my life. I don't know how I'm going to fit these meetings in. It's just, it's too much. Well, they became a first thing for me. That, that as I worked in the program, as the program started to make a real difference in my life, I realized that I needed it. I needed the meetings. I needed to take the time. And so I just said this, scheduled them into my life. And I do have alternatives. So if I miss something, I, you know, have an alternative I can go to. I generally schedule three meetings a week and, and probably I can get by most of the time with two. Uh, and so, but it's just part of my life now. It, I don't even have to think about it anymore. It's like, yeah, Saturday morning I'm going to a meeting. Sunday night I'm going to a meeting. Wednesday night I'm going to a meeting. And if, if somebody says, can you do something Wednesday night? I have, I really, then I have to make a decision. You know, how important is the thing that, that the Wednesday night thing, because is it more important than, than, than my meeting to my overall survival as a, as a healthy, sane uh, person? Uh, and so I don't, you know, but it, it, back in the day, I definitely had to think about it. I had to, I had to really, you know, have it driven home that, that I needed these things for me to, to change. And I keep hoping that's going to happen with like the physical exercise, going to the gym that, that it'll just be, become part of my life. I'll, and I'll miss it when it's not there. Hasn't happened yet. I still have to make a conscious effort to say, yes, this is a first thing. This is a thing that has to get done. So I don't know. Um, Adrian, do you have any further thoughts on this? Uh, how do we, how do we, you know, figure out what our first things are? Um, um, well, I was um, thinking about tool, like various different methods or tools mm -hmm. um, for figuring this out. I, I was thinking about this ahead of time, and I did sort of put together some thoughts. Um, well, actually, I found a wonderful quote. Um, I'd wish I wrote down. I found it on the internet, so of course it's true. Um, of course it's true. And I can't remember where I found it, unfortunately, <laughs> but I thought it was really good. Um, when members begin to focus on themselves according to the principles of first things first, the self-knowledge that results places them in a better position to proceed to a life of order. Mm. So, right, um, when we take care of ourselves um, by doing those things such as meditation and exercise and eating correctly and drinking enough water and just the basics, we tend to make better choices about, you know, what what is most important and what is not. Um, and I was, not you know, self-awareness, that, that self-awareness that it talks about um, – Sometimes I don't even realize when my priorities have gotten out of whack until I start seeing evidence of, of that. Like, um, I start getting loopy. I start eating badly. Mm -hmm. I start snapping at people. Um, and th that's when I'm making bad decisions. That's when I'm not putting first things first. Um, and uh, the, just the calmness, uh, the, the clarity that comes from doing those things, meditating, going to meetings, being around other people, and getting that sort of saneness from, from others. Um, it gives you a more realistic sense of what is, what is urgent, what is important, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Um, so we had an email from Ruth who sent in some, some of her thoughts about this slogan, and uh, I guess I'll read it. Ruth is a... Uh, Long-time listener and frequent contributor. She says, hey, Spencer, first things first. 
It's good to know that you can choose from all the things, but what are the first things? I can sit the whole day on my sofa thinking about that, and then in the evening when I get tired from all that wondering, I'm unsatisfied and feel guilty of having done nothing useful the whole day. I managed to see some progress when I used another slogan together with this one, do the next right thing. So I don't think too long about it, when or which order I do it. When I come home and I have envelopes in my hand, I open them and pay the bills. When the laundry gets in my sight, I just fill the washing machine. I act similarly in the office, so when I go home or at the end of the day, I have at least done something and feel much better, as if I haven't just been trying to prioritize the whole day. I also pray to my higher power to let me do his will and remove what hinders me to do his will and be useful to him and my fellows. Seventh-step prayer. I had a new idea during a recent meeting when we were talking about the 11th concept of service and I had to look this one up, okay? Uh, this Ruth did not include the concept in her in her email. She said, which it says, the World Service Office is composed of selected committees, executives, and staff members. And so Ruth continues, which I haven't tested this idea. It is to set up different committees for the different tasks, cleaning, finance, recreation. It doesn't matter if the co- committees all consist of me, but I could still assign certain times, frames, and reporting days. I'm looking forward very much to getting new insight from this episode. Grateful, Ruth. And we're always grateful for your contributions, Ruth. Thank you. Um, <laughs> this idea of, of having a bunch of different committees is kind of an interesting one. And I guess it's sort of like the idea of, well, this is my time to do bills. This is my time to do laundry or something, but sort of switching frames or something. I don't know. What do, you, do you guys have any thoughts on what Ruth had to say here? I'm kind of in awe that she can get the mail out of the mailbox and not just put it on the counter to look at later, <laughs> oh, which yeah. is exactly what I do. Um, I wonder, that's... you know, first things first. I mean, there's this principle of organizing, like only touch things once. Hmm. You know, I can't do that. No. <laughs> Yeah, I could really relate to what she said about sitting on the couch all day prioritizing. <laughs> um, I've been guilty of that on more than one occasion. Um, yeah, one one uh, time management thing I read one time um, had a, a sol- suggested solution, which was you should write down all the things that you need or, or want to do in in a day. Um, prior put them in in order uh, in order of priority. So you've got, you know, number one, number two, number three, et cetera. And then you just cross off everything after three. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny. And, but, but I've, I've kind of tried sort of mentally crossing off everything after three. And yeah. it's like, oh, I could just face this like limitation head on and realize up front, like it's not all going to happen. So if I get three things done, good for me, you know, mm-hmm. and, and, I, when I've actually tried doing that, like it's actually really helped. At least I get something done. I don't just sit on the couch all day wondering which thing is the best to do. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have committees in my head, but um, I do put aside certain times to do certain things. Like on Saturdays, I my Saturdays are usually pretty set. It is my day to do you know to do yard work. Mm-hmm. I'm the yard work committee on Saturday. So I pick up dog poo and rake leaves and, you know, those kind of the things that have to be done once a week, no matter what. Yeah. And uh, and I make myself do that before I um, I'm allowed to go and play on a Saturday night. And uh, uh, Ruth just joined us in the chat room. Uh, did I, I hope she heard us reading her, her her letter. She says, hey, just came in. I'm not doing it all. It is still a work in progress. So I guess, um, yeah, progress. 
And that's all we can ever really hope for. At least that's all I can ever really hope for is progress. Um, yeah, so my yesterday, this weekend has been a great example for me of, of really using this slogan. We're driving uh, 400 and some odd miles to my parents' house to have Thanksgiving with my parents and my children, who one of them lives near my parents and the other one lives on uh, almost that far on the other side of them. And so we're all coming together there. And I started thinking about the things that I needed to do before we left. Things like change the oil in the car, get the rear window wiper, which doesn't work fixed so that when we're driving on the highway and it's snowing and sleeting and all that, I can actually see out the back window. And um, some other things like that, some other preparations for the trip. And then there were the things that I wanted to do. Well, I wanted to go celebrate uh, my friend's new job with her. And... I wanted to go, one of the things that I do in the, in the fall and winter is work on a community theater. I do help build the sets and I wanted to go to the set building session yesterday, but that would kind of be pretty much all day. And I wanted to go, I needed to go to a meeting. Luckily that was from nine to 10. So that's the beginning of the day. So that was the first thing Let's go to the meeting. And after the meeting, I came out and I, I got in my car and I picked up my phone and I, and I called um, the person, the, the set, crew director. And I said, you know, I'm not going to be able to make it today. I have all these things that I have to do that I have to prepare for the, you know, travel over the Thanksgiving weekend. And, and, you know, there I had to apply that slogan and say, no, I'm not going to get to do everything that's on my list. And these other things were sort of both urgent and important in that they had a deadline. And so they came first. And so then I had to do the first things first. And, and so the first thing I did was I took the old windshield wiper motor off the back of the car and drove over to the parts store. And they're like, well, we don't have one in stock, but we can have it this afternoon. <laughs> okay. So then I go do some other things. And I got to do another thing that I that I sort of wanted to do, which is to watch part of the, the football game. Michigan was playing Iowa, out in Iowa. And, and it really worked out very well because they did well in the first half of the game. And then after halftime, they started to fall apart. And that was when I had to leave to like, go pick up the part and... <laughs> And reinstall it in the car and, and go to the, go to the celebration and so on. So I, I was able to basically use this slogan to get the things that I needed to do yesterday into the day and not totally miss out on the fun stuff either. Um, so the other place that I have found this, uh, helpful is when I'm looking at a task that I have to do and it just seems huge and I don't know where to start. It's like, there's this huge thing. I'm not going to get it all done today. I'm not going to get it all done this week, this month, this year. And sometimes that can just prevent me from getting started at all. And I feel like I can take this first things first or that the related slogan that uh, Ruth talked about, do the next right thing and use it to help me get started. Uh, have you had that experience, Maria? Uh, yeah, yeah. Actually, I just, um, so I, do sort of have one of those like big overwhelming things that I'm thinking about. Like I'm thinking about possibly changing careers, which would mean finding a new job and possibly going back to school. And um, but I'm not totally sure if I want to do this new thing or not. Um, and I haven't been doing much about it lately. I've just um, procrastination is, is one of the things uh, first things first kind of uh 
works in the opposite direction of kind of about not procrastinating because you should just do it um but <laughs> but anyway um but i haven't been doing it um but there was actually a reading yesterday encouraged to change about about um breaking things down into very small bits so that we don't feel this need to have all the answers before we even begin and that's too overwhelming so let's not even begin and i was like oh that's totally where i'm at with this um and so i thought like okay i can break this down into one small thing that doesn't have to be a major decision and i can just you know if i were to take these classes which class would it be exactly and what time is it how about i spend today my thing for this today will be i'll look up the class time like that's not too intimidating it's not too scary um, I don't even have to take the class. I just need to look up what time it is. And, um, and so between that and, um, just the first things first, like the, the, uh, thinking about that and thinking about how, you know, I do spend, tend to spend a lot of my time just kind of bouncing from one crisis to the next or whatever. And I don't really spend a lot of time on the important stuff. Um, I was like, well, yeah, I should do this. So I, I went and I looked up the thing and was like, oh, hey, turns out there are evening classes. Who knew? So it's like, hmm, maybe this doesn't have to be as scary if I could hang out to my job and take a class and maybe figure out if I want to do this thing or not. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that was one way that it kind of helped me break down a big overwhelming thing into a smaller thing and, like, prioritize making time for at least one small little chunk of the big project. Yeah. Adrian, have you encountered this phenomenon? Um, absolutely. Um, I, I find these days actually, I mean, this is, I have occasionally put this to use earlier in my life, even before I came in the program, but more so come, you know, since I've been in the program since, um, you know, I, I'm better at determining urgency versus just importance, but um, the grazing method, um, I, I put to good use. Um, I remember looking back when I was in grad school and, you know, the amount of work that had to be done and sort of, oh, I've got to take all these classes. And it was, it's, you know, something like that that seemed so overwhelming in the big picture. And I found, you know, just getting a sort of a heads down, focusing on what I was doing at that moment um, and doing the best job I could at that moment, you know, it's sort of very zen there, you know. Um, and next thing you know, you look up and you've accomplished all of these things that were on your list and before you realize it. Um, oh, my God, I have a degree. How did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if it was that easy. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. Um, but uh, also... Even if it's something just like, um, you know, you're sitting at home looking around at the house and the house is a disaster and, and you're like, oh my, you know, my whole house is, is a mess and I've got all this to do and, and it's so big and it's so overwhelming that I just want to sit on the couch and put on Netflix and, um, been there. <laughs> I'm sure we're not alone. Um, so, you know, taking smaller bites, more realistic bites, um, you know, I, I think part of um, the way my my brain works and, and that perfectionism, like I have to do everything um, and I have to do it right and I have to, you know, um, but it, it's okay. And sometimes um, it's okay not to have it perfect. And even if you can't do a, an entire deep cleaning on your whole house, even just sometimes... 
a light cleaning will bring back sanity. You know, I have animals, so just vacuuming the house makes a huge difference. Um, I also have a five-year-old, so, you know, putting toys away and vacuuming the house, it's like a whole, a whole new house. Picking up the Legos. Right? <laughs> Matchbox cars. Um, so, yeah, those kind of smaller chunks. Or even if it's just, okay, today, this afternoon, here's what I can handle. I am going to clean up my kitchen and clear or even if it's just i'm going to clean clean clear off this table mm -hmm. because you know i have to oh, admit yeah. sometimes they get bad so just small bites you know you, you in a in an earlier episode uh was discussing well my it was during the summer because my kids were home and and uh was talking about cleaning up for a party and how we decided i decided we really needed to shampoo the carpet because you know dogs and all that. And uh, so I really had to focus on what are the things that need to get done so that I can shampoo the carpet. Hmm. And that involved putting a lot of stuff away. And and when I would start putting something away, I would want to reorganize the place it was being put away or something like that. And I had to keep, I had to remind myself, no, this is not the job right now. The job right now is not to reorganize the storage. The job right now is to get all the crap off the floor in the dining room and the living room so that I can vacuum that I can shampoo the carpet. And, and I, w I think it was in that time I was uh, sort of ragging on my daughter about all her stuff that was in the dining room and the living room. She tends to leave stuff around and she said, yeah, she said, I need to find a better filing system than NFS. And I said, NFS. And she said, yeah, nearest flat surface. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, pretty much the whole family has that disease, the, or as a, as one of our listeners put it after that episode, the AFS, which is any flat surface. Mm -hmm. uh, and the only reason that that my son's isn't as bad is because he doesn't have as much stuff. <laughs> um, and so when when they were both home over the summer, so some I don't know somehow having four people instead of two people, it was like ten times the mess instead of just twice the mess. But it's exponential, it is sort yeah. of exponential, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I understand that. And, and so, yeah, I could look around and say, well, what's the first thing? What can I do? What, what small thing can I do right now that will make me feel better about what I'm looking at? And maybe it's get all the dirty dishes to the kitchen, or maybe it's, um, you know, pick up the socks off the floor or whatever it might be. And, and then I can look at it and say, okay, now what's the next thing? Mm -hmm. Um, and it, and, and it, I can break down this, this job that just seems hopeless into, little jobs that I can do and I can then I can do the first one and then I can do the next first one and you know the next right thing or whatever um, I run into this at work and it's sort of amazing that it's taken me so long to learn how to do this that you know I'm in software development and so we say okay we're gonna do this thing oh my god that's huge how are we gonna do this thing and and it's this breaking it down into small pieces is, is you know is sort of the really the critical way to getting it done and and one of the things that it has taken me a long time to learn and a lot of people i think a long time to learn because when i started doing software development there was this process where you you wrote out a specification of everything that the program was going to do and then uh, you started implementing that specification one one piece at a time and what for some reason we never really seemed to understand was that by the time you got halfway done the, the specification was out of date 
<laughs> either the situation had changed or the understanding of the situation had changed. And, and so the, this, this very detailed plan that you had spent a lot of time working on, I spent a whole summer once writing specifications and two weeks trying to write code. And, and of course we didn't get it done. Um, and, and now the process that we use, we say, we sort of get the big picture and then we take one of the pieces of the big picture and we break it down and we start working on it. Knowing that by doing that, we're going to learn stuff that's actually going to change maybe some of the big picture. It's definitely going to change some of the ways we, we would break down the, the later steps. And, and so again, that comes back to this, you know, sitting on the couch all day, figuring out exactly the priorities and the order and all the steps of what we, we need to do. Not only is it waste a day, I mean, waste a day it, in the sense that you didn't actually get to do any of the doing like that summer of 1978 when I, I spent the whole summer planning and not and not doing, <laughs> um, you know, and driving back and forth and meeting with the uh, the customers. And it was it was crazy. I mean, it was fun because I was one year out of college and like had a job that had real responsibilities and stuff. It was a lot of fun and living out of town. Um, but, uh, um, you know, not only do we not do sort of fruitless planning, we also get started on the doing sooner. And so we feel better about it. We feel like we're making some progress. We're making something visible here. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, the technique that we try to do now is, is to do something that actually leads to so, uh, a piece of functionality that we can show to whoever the customer is and say, Hey, look, here we have this. And then they can say, Oh yeah, that's what I wanted. Or well, really? Um, and that also comes back to this, you know, what I thought I was going to build is not what I end up building question. And I think I can do the same thing in my personal life. Um, you know, I might have a vision of how I want the basement organized and I'm never going to get there. But if I pick a little corner of the basement, my basement's a scary place, kind of like my mind. Um, <laughs> you know, I pick a little corner or I pick, um, you know, uh, a category of things maybe that I'm going to do something about. And I can do that. And then I can see, oh, now I've got space to do this other thing. Um, you know, just get in and do that first thing. Spend a little bit of time thinking about what the first thing is, but then get in and do it. And, and I'll feel better and I'll have a better idea of, of what, what I need to do next. And I've talked enough now. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it can either of you use a, a, a talk about how you might apply those in, in your life? Um, yeah, just, just what you were saying, Spencer. Um, like sometimes I think the next right thing can very often be just get up off the couch for me, you know, <laughs> just get off the couch and do something, anything productive. And that will like help me feel better. And then I will like start getting in that mode. Like, you know, I'll be on the couch and I've been drinking some tea or something. And, you know, maybe the thing to do is to get off the couch and put the tea, put the cup in the kitchen or, you know, wash the cup. And then by the time I've done that, I'll notice like, oh, while I'm washing dishes, there are other dishes to wash. And, and you know, and then I'll start doing things and feeling better about the doing of things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, just getting the momentum going um, can be helpful. <laughs> yeah. There was a <clears throat> phrase that my mom taught me uh, that I didn't get for the longest time, and now I do, um, which is action comes before motivation. And I think it's that it's that teacup. Mm. that you were just talking about, mm -hmm. just the act of getting up and <clears throat> doing that actually 
gives you more motivation to to keep going. So, you know, if an object in motion stays in motion, <laughs> an ab- object sitting on and, the couch. And an object sitting on the couch stays on the couch. <laughs> all yeah, day. No yeah. <laughs> Eating potato chips. <laughs> Which really then tends to make you stay on the couch, yes. Been there. Yeah. Um, so I, I have heard this other slogan, and both you guys said, no, I've never heard that before, to do what is given to you to do. And um, I... I swear I've heard this from some AA context. I've been listening to a lot of speaker tapes, and they're not tapes anymore, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) They're MP3s, right? (laughs) What's a tape? Yeah, what's a tape? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, digression. Uh, A friend of mine has a case for his iPhone that looks just like a cassette tape. It's this kind of green, transparent plastic, and it looks like it's... I don't think it actually has the shape, like the texture of the cassette, but it looks just like a cassette tape. And so it's it it, it almost like catches me every time when I see it. It's like, oh, yeah, that's his phone. <laughs> anyway, those of you who grew up at a certain time of life will know what I'm talking about, and the rest of you are like, what? <laughs> I mean, CDs are almost passe now, right? Yeah, they are. Um, and that's, you know, cassette tapes are what came before then. Um, but but I've heard this expression, do what is giving you to do, as sort of an alternative, I think, for do do the next right thing. And I think, I mean, I understand a number of different things that it, that it might refer to. Uh, for example, uh, you know, your, what is your higher power's will? What is your higher power giving you to do? Um, what are you given to do in the program? You know, like if you're at step nine, you're going to go out and make amends. That's what's given to you to do in the program. And it, to me, these all sort of, they, they kind of come together. Do the first, you know, first things first, do the next right thing, do what it's giving you to do. And they're sort of different, for me, they're different angles on this concept of sort of, you know, what's the next thing to do? What's the first thing to do? What am I given to do? Those are just different ways of asking the same question. Um, yeah. I don't know. You have any thoughts there? Or is it, are we just stuck on that one? I have, I have some thoughts about it. Um, you know, I mean, there's on our priority lists, there are, you know, things that are not things that just happen, that just drop into our lap that aren't the emergencies that we were talking about, such as an opportunity to, to come and talk today on the recovery show. Thank you. That uh, just sort of fell in my lap. And, and I think it's it's one of those things that I was following. Do what is given you to do. Sure. Why not? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh you're busy plan, you know, you have a day planned and a friend calls you out of the blue and needs your help. Um, that's what's given you to do and to help if you're, you know, we we ask to be useful to others and to um, to, to run into the opportunities to, to help and be of service. And uh, so then when it happens, we can't really say no, right? Um, so I, I kind of, bless you, yeah. I kind of see... Uh, see that as maybe what it means um and uh the as i said i i was uh actually looked i I looked up that phrase and i didn't come up with anything but i came up with some similar things talking about uh when we're given talents that we should um use them Mm -hmm. (laughs) to for the power of good (laughs) Um, preferably so, yeah, I mean, so if we're given skills or talents or, um, just abilities in general, um, that we should, uh, we should, we should use those. Um, I think there's a, there's a biblical thing that talks all about that. I, I can't remember what it is though. 
But I don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> no idea. Something about being given C's and you're supposed to sew them. I, I oh, don't okay. know. You okay. Know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Maria, you have any any uh, any last thoughts on our uh, do the do the first thing, do the right thing, do the do what is giving you to do? Yeah, I guess for me a lot of uh figuring out what the first thing is comes back to kind of learning how to tune out the noise. Um there's a lot of, you know, tuning out other people's noise of, you know, what other people want me to do and other people's drama of like maybe they're in whatever crisis that isn't my crisis. Um but just kind of learning to tune that out and kind of tune in to myself and figure out what my what's actually important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something in one of the we- one of the readings about our figuring out what our own quiet needs are. Yes. And um, I could relate to that because there are a lot of things that, you know, because maybe no one else around me was interested um, or I didn't get reinforcement about it, it just seemed like, well, I kind of would like to do this, but no, nah, it's not important. No one else seems to think it's important, therefore it's not important. And, you know, so for me it's it's kind of tuning into those things and realizing, mm-hmm. like, yeah, if some things are important and they may not be important to anyone else, but if it's important to me, then I need to pursue it um so so yeah it's there's there's also a level of um just kind of sticking up for my own priorities even when it doesn't fit with what other people want or you know it's not a priority to them so just you know know, yeah as you were talking i was thinking about our discussion last week uh, on step 11 about about prayer and meditation and that um we talked about how do we know god's will and you talked about instinct, you mm-hmm. know, that sometimes you just have this sort of instinctual feeling that something is right or something is not right. Mm-hmm. And so as you were you were talking here about sort of clearing away the noise so that you can you can really see more clearly what what is the right next thing for you to do. And I I felt like wow that really connects back to what is meditation? Meditation is clearing away the noise in our lives so that we can hear the will of our higher power, mm-hmm. um, so that we can focus on, on you know, what's important rather than on what's just jumping up and down waiting for our attention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've got a little bit of, of, of uh, I don't know if it's ADD exactly, but it's, I've got this, this squirrel syndrome as... as uh, <laughs> Or as my daughter likes to say, ooh, shiny. Yep. <laughs> uh, that, uh, you know, and yesterday when I, I went into this restaurant and I was actually the first person there for this party. I got there right on time and I was the first person there. And the hostess wasn't even there yet. And and I sat down and then another person came in and sat down across from me. And as, I, as we were talking, I realized that I had sat down facing the TV behind the bar and that it was going to be distracting me all all afternoon with just the motion. Mm. I was going to keep looking at it. And it was a football game between two teams that I really don't care about at all because I barely care about my local team. And I said, you know what? I'm going to come around to the other side of the table because I don't want to be facing that TV and having it distract me all day. Uh, and sometimes we need to, to recognize when we're being distracted, I think, and, 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 to do what we need to do to, to remove those distractions. Um, Ruth uh, commented a little while ago. She said, action before motivation. Yep, the program is a doing program. Thinking too much often doesn't help. 
and uh, I think you nailed it there, Ruth. Thank you. Um, any final thoughts, Adrian? Um, just a, a quick one that um, that did occur to me when um, when asking what is the most productive thing I can do at this moment um, about it not being the most obvious. Um, having children or having a, having a son, you know, when I'm trying to get the house clean or trying to wash dishes and and he's you know he wants attention and wants me to play with him and and I'm you know sometimes I get buried in like I will need to get these dishes done. But then I have to think, really, when you think about it, years down the road, is he going to say, boy, you know, my mom sure had clean dishes when I was a kid. No. Or is <laughs> or is he going to be, you know, do I want him to be remembering how we played together and did yeah. those important things? So, um, yeah, just, yeah, that's one of those what's more important. That, that is so true. Yes. I was mm-hmm. I was talking to a program friend at church this morning, and she said, you know, I wanted to come to the meeting yesterday, but I was sitting downstairs, and I was about ready to go, and... And she has two teenage sons, and she said, and the kids came down, and, and they were, like, actually talking to us, and we were having a, some, some really good family time. And I thought, what's more important? Mm-hmm. And what's more important is to is to be here with my children when they're actually wanting to be with me. And I could mm-hmm. certainly relate to that particular aspect. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there were definitely times my kids did not want to be with me, yeah. Okay, I want to close with... Uh, Reminder from the same reading uh, from Courage to Change, again, the August 16th reading. Reminder says, I am the only one who can make my well-being my top priority. I owe it to myself to pay attention to the needs of my body, mind, and spirit. Putting first things first in troubled times means finding whatever way I can to set aside my burdens, even if just for a moment, to make time for myself. After a short break, we will continue with Our Lives in Recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. And our first uh, musical break is from Feist, singing Undiscovered First, and I just discovered this song the other day. And I see this as a song of indecision. Um, I I went to actually a website, songmeetings.com or something, and and the person said that... uh, this is a person deciding whether to be in a relationship when there's apparently a lot of undiscovered stuff underneath. So uh, enjoy Feist. I had what I thought were clear, open eyes, bright blue. Vision now of a light, in pictures to lay on you. Close up eyes, let them in to mind, opening, it's the edge of love. You can't unthink thought, either it's there or not. Shadows of the mountain, don't tell the world's 
In this section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. Maria, can you uh, start us off? Sure. Uh, so Monday, I went to my AWOL group, um, which um, AWOL stands for A Way of Life. So it's basically a step study group, um, and we're working on step eight. I had had kind of joined in this existing group a little bit after they had been going for a while and I kind of joined in midway. So I was slightly ahead of, of where other people were, but we finally got to the point where we had caught up to where I am. So now I'm like, ooh, no more skating by on what I'd already done. Um, we've been <laughs> we've been kind of sharing our answers to questions in the back of the, the Tan Path to Recovery book about Step 8. So now I'm like, oh, yeah, i got to got to do my homework for real now. Um, but that was good. Uh, let's see, Wednesday, I went to a meeting and the topic there was serenity. And we um, it was an interesting topic. I don't know if I've ever been to a meeting where that was specifically the topic and it was good. Um, I, I shared about how I was so confused about this concept of serenity in the beginning. Um, when I first came into the program, I was like, why are we talking about this? Am I in the wrong room? Like, I'm here because I'm living with active alcoholism, and it's crazy, and there's all this drama, and, like, why on earth are we talking serenity? Like, I just didn't get it. And, um, it, you know, and then I kept coming back and later on kind of figured out that that was why. It's like that sort of... You know, the drama and chaos was where I was starting from, and serenity is ideally where I'm trying to go. Um, but I, I, it was so far removed from me at the time, I just didn't even understand. Um, but yeah, now I can kind of relate to some of that serenity, and I can feel that some of the time, and that's it's a good, good feeling. And now I'm more attuned to things. I guess I'm more attuned to things that bring me serenity. And I try to be a little less attuned to things that bring me drama. So, yeah, that's good. Um, let's see. I also met with a sponsor this week. That was good. Talked about some assorted things. And also the step that I'm working on. Um, and Friday night I went to a, a concert of... Um, it was uh, this this concert of classical Chinese music. And it was... It was um, some of the music that was kind of similar to something we had played uh, as a meditation sort of song last week on the uh, on the podcast, and so it was it was a really nice concert to kind of just sit there and kind of mellow out and listen to this really peaceful um, peaceful stuff. So that's that's my week. Cool, cool. How about you, Adrian? How was your week? Um, it was, uh, my weeks are always busy, um, but I try to get in um, as many meetings as possible. Um, let's see, um, I went to actually a, a meeting for another 12-step program on Wednesday, and then on Friday, um, I really, uh, let's see, we, we did a reading on um, out of the literature. I can't remember which book it was. It's um, it's a little blue book. It's not Courage to Change, but a different one. Is it the Hope for Today or One Day at a Time? Um, one maybe it's one day at a time in all and on, but but we didn't. I don't know. Um, it wasn't the reading for the day? Of it was not. Somebody well, picked it randomly. So, um, and it was crazy. about uh, about praying and how um, our prayers sort of change from asking for what we want to uh, praying for what our higher power wills for us, and um, and it all it brought into question like 
even when we're praying for what we want, um, do we really know what we want? Um, and that, you know, it, it uh, brought back some recollections for me of, um, you know, I think I have gotten a lot in life of what I wanted. And I say, I want this, and I work towards it, and I get it, and then I find that I'm not so happy after all. Mm. Um, because, uh, I don't know, my, I think it comes down to my imagination is, is finite, and I, you know, we get caught in the illusions of what we think we want, and, uh, we go forward, and we pray forward, and we obsess about it, and, uh, so either we don't get it, um, or, and then we complain about it, you know, in the past, before program, of course. Um, uh, or, or we do get what we want, and um, and it, we're still we're still not happy, and we can't figure out why. So um, basically, when we stay open um, and we pray for our higher powers will for us, it's sort of the the possibilities become endless, and there's a lot more. Um, there are many more outcomes than we could even possibly imagine, and they're all probably better than what we think we want. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, realizing that I, I think I set my bars very low, <laughs> you know, really. Um, and in a Saturday meeting, um, it was uh, we talked about turning over our will, which is always a good one, um, and uh, and surrender. So, and how uh, some people feel that uh, that surrender, turning over our will, seems like a weakness as opposed to a strength, and um, being dependent on on something else uh, is frightening. So, um, just I, there was a good analogy uh, in in a book talking about we we depend every day on electricity, and we're happy to depend on that, and it you know it gives us all these good things, and mm-hmm. uh, so and we don't know how it works. We have no idea how it works. Most of us, anyway. But it does. We flip the switch. So it really comes down to flipping the switch, remembering to flip the switch, and to you know plug plug ourselves in, I guess, um, to to higher power. So. Yeah, so I re- remember hearing recently from somebody the saying that surrender is joining the winning side. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. And because I think they were having trouble with the, this uh, phrase, I think you hear again more, more in AA than Alan on surrender to win. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, so, yeah, surrender means, you know, Joining the winning side. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's sort of, that's a good way to look at it. You know, that's a positive view of surrender. Um, so, yeah, so me this week. I also was at that Wednesday meeting on serenity, and there was, there was a lot of good sharing. And we both remember that a friend shared a, a really different outlook on what serenity meant for her and neither of us can remember what she said and we're like oh man that was it was it seemed so brilliant at the time and it was just so i guess counter to what's in my head that it didn't stick Um, but i too remember coming into the program and and i think it's in the suggested al-anon opening where it says uh, uh we could find contentment and even happiness whether the alcoholic is still drinking or not and i remember that at the time i number one did not believe that could ever happen in my life and number two wanted it really badly <laughs> well i wanted i wanted her to stop drinking okay that would have been you know and 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 then when you were talking about praying for what you think you want you know i just wanted her to stop drinking and you know eventually she did stop drinking and that didn't fix all my problems because uh you know there's a common denominator in a lot of my problems and that common denominator is me 
not the alcoholic in my life. And, and so uh, um, I, a lot of things came together, in different, different things came together in this this week. I was listening to um, the On Being podcast with Krista Tippett. She was interviewing Eve Ensler and in particular talking about the way in which her cancer had affected her life, her outlook on life, the way she lives, um, the way she, you know, what she, uh, just all kinds of things. And, and they came to this point of recognizing each of them that sometimes it takes a crisis to get us into a recognition that we need to change, that we can change. And then when, we find this this power within us, then we're like, why didn't we have this our whole life? Um, you know, why does it take why does it take a crisis to get us there? And I thought, wow, that is so so parallel with uh, my experience and the experience of a lot of people that I know in in these programs. That you know, it took a real crisis, it took a lot of pain to force us into this program, into these into these twelve steps. And I personally have found so much power. And so much change for positive in my life because of that. And it's not something that I ever, I think, ever would have done voluntarily. I would not have said, oh, yeah, you know, my life's okay, but, man, it could be so much better. <laughs> if I would only commit myself to this program of recovery, that's a phrase out of the big book somewhere, right? Um, you know, no, not happening. I mean, you know, when I'm feeling good, I'm like, I don't recognize that that I'm only feeling sort of good, uh, and it's 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 kind of ironic and it's kind of unfortunate that it takes pain to get us to a place where we can actually end up feeling a lot better than we ever did about ourselves, about our life. And uh, yesterday being Saturday, today Sunday, I always say yesterday, and I recognize you know you're not listening to this as we're recording it. Most of you, a few people in the chat room, um, and Ruth, for example. Uh, uh, she said, and and I agree with you here. I get much better, I get along much better praying to let God's will happen, than to ask Him to make my wishes, my wishes real. Um, and uh, yeah, I think we all agree with that. Um, so this morning, uh, yesterday morning, Saturday, um, I went to another meeting, and the topic there was step nine, which is made amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Mm-hmm. It's one of those uh, scary steps where we have to go to other people and admit what we did wrong and say we're going to do whatever we can to make it right. <coughs> and it's also, I've heard so many people say it is the step where, uh, it's one of the steps where the real recovery happens. Uh, and I'm in the process of making amends to some of the people in my life. And so it was a, it was a, a good a good meeting um, a good topic because I got to hear lots of other people's thoughts on on making amends about the process, about how they felt, about um, what they were struggling with, and it was good. Um, so yeah, so that was my week. And next week, the topic for the podcast next week is going to be what we're calling my story. This is almost our anniversary episode. We started at the beginning of December. 2012. This will be actually coming out probably the first or second of December 2013. It will be episode number 52, so it makes it the end of the first year. And um, what we're doing is asking you to send us your story. 
What is your story? How did you come to the program? You know, uh, what was it like? What happened? What's it like now? In about five to ten minutes. And we have received several of these, and there's still time if you're listening shortly after we record this anyway for you to send in yours. And in order to have time to assemble the episode uh, over the upcoming uh, United States Thanksgiving holiday, we're asking you to send your story to us by the end of the day on Tuesday, November 26th. So really last minute if you're listening to this podcast or maybe already passed. And uh, Maria, how can people send us feedback? You can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Just put the podcast on pause and join the conversation at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send email to feedback at com. How can you share your story? Um, you can send us an email and we will have someone read it for you. Uh, I think Spencer just said this, about five to ten minutes, um, or about 500 uh, to 1,000 words, or you can call our voicemail number, uh, 734-707-8795, and tell your story three minutes at a time. Um, we can arrange for you to talk uh, to one of us with Skype or on a phone call, and we'll record your story that way, and just email us to set that up. Uh, however you do it, we'd love to include your story in our first anniversary podcast. And, and Adrian, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Our website, therecoveryshow.com, there's no spaces in there, um, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with meditations, and links to the music we play. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites that we like. There are many ways to contribute to the content of the podcast and the website. You can leave comments on the blog. We're always looking for music suggestions and have a page with just a few we've received so far. Or take a look at our suggested topic list. If you see a topic you'd like covered, leave a comment there to vote it up. If you don't see the topic you're interested in, let us know and we'll get right on it. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. Maria, do we have any uh, user feedback this week? We do, uh, but first let's listen to All Right by Darius Rucker. Darius Rucker? I don't know. Um, anyway, in this song, he talks about how there's always more and fancier things that he could aspire to, but he's got the basics covered, and he's content with that. Um, some of the lyrics are, I don't need no five-star reservations. I've got spaghetti and a cheap bottle of wine. Don't need no concert in the city. I've got a stereo and the best of Patsy Cline. Ain't got no caviar, no Dom Perignon. But as far as I can see, I got everything I want. Got spaghetti and a cheap bottle of wine. Don't need no concert in the city. I got a stereo and the best of Patsy Klein. Ain't got no caviar, no Dom Perignon. But as far as I can see, I got everything I want. Cause I got a And it's all right, all right. I 
right. Well, we got um, a bunch of listener feedback this week, and I'm going to start with some comments on the website. Uh, Beth left a comment on the show notes for our Getting Started episode, which was last week. And she said, was it last week or two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. That was two weeks ago with Wendy, right. She said, the welcome and kindness shown to the newcomer is both so genuine and so necessary. A new person attended my home group just yesterday, and it was the very first meeting. Everyone told her their first-time story and made her feel welcome and safe in her anonymity. I told her this. How Eleanor works for me is pretty simple. We come in devastated and very confused. By and by, and little by little, we shift the focus onto ourselves, begin to open our hearts and share our self-examination with the group, seeking ways we can better understand ourselves out loud. In so doing, we make progress that is visible over time, which is a source of, source of hope both to us and to others. Seeing something in your story that resonates with me, I may be inspired to try something that worked for you. This is how we help one another in Al-Anon. Contrast this with what your reaction would be if I came up to you and enumerated your problems and what you should do to solve them. You would be horrified, and justly so. Al-Anon works the exact opposite way. I pull open my heart, and in my chest you see a mirror reflecting a little bit of you. It is a beautiful, generous, gentle program, and it is stronger than the disease. Keep coming back. P.S. I was absolutely baffled by all of the laughter <laughs> and the smiles at my first meeting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't even remember whether people were laughing and smiling at my first meeting, so I couldn't have been baffled by it, I guess. Uh, I'm sure they were, because they always have. Uh, in, in every meeting I've been to, you know, we're laughing and smiling, maybe at ourselves, maybe about our progress, maybe about our foibles, who knows. Uh, Beth also had a topic suggestion, and uh, maybe uh, you could read this, Maria. Sure. Um, she writes, Nothing brings out old patterns of discomfort and anxiety like talking about money with my family. I feel like everything, both good and bad, in a relationship is magnified to supernova scale when finances come up. Today I am in a totally loving and safe relationship, yet old scars lead me to hesitate with both openness and trust. Setting boundaries and directly expressing what I need in this area is still a huge challenge. Avoidance, denial, and catastrophizing replace healthy efforts. We are trying to work on wills. Not having one has made me feel less than ever since I had kids with my qualifier so long ago. Having that settled will be a huge relief if I can just get through it. I feel like so many of us could get something out of a discussion group on program tools and she writes dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar sign. Um, slogans do help me if I pause and apply them, so maybe that could be a starting point. How important is it, especially, uh, thanks Spencer, Spencer at all? Yeah, I think this might have been written on a phone. Um, yeah, and so I, I agree, Beth. Um, money is a fantastic recovery topic, and it scares the heck out of me, so that probably means we should do it. <laughs> uh, and uh, uh, Jen uh, commented a uh, response to Kelly and Swetha's goodbye letter on the website with gratitude for what they brought to her and for the show. Could you read that, uh, Adrian? Sure. Um, to the voices of the recovery show and the hearts that lead their way, led their way. I found your podcast about three months ago, just as I was losing all of the things that defined me, all of the things that I counted on, did, trusted, honed, relied on, took for granted, protected myself with, succeeded with. You get the idea. I found you when I found nothing I knew working. I found you when my son, my hope and light, leaving for college and using and hiding out from me. I found you when my love and painstaking efforts to get it, to just get it right and everyone will be okay were not holding true. 
Today, because I listen in no particular order, I couldn't believe what I heard. Kelly and Swetha quit the show, and Spencer sounded so sad. I can't begin to describe the range of emotions racing through me. My world took a huge, huge hit this week, and here you weren't here for me. When, when you were... Spencer, I am sorry you are sad, scared, and vulnerable. I am there with you. Swetha and Kelly, thank you grudgingly for putting your oxygen masks on first. To all do the recovery show podcast, oh, to all the recovery show podcast participants, your voices, experience, shares, and determination are helping me find a way. Thank you. I had my sixth Al-Anon meeting and twice as many of your casts. Al-Anon changes the world. I am vulnerable, fragile, and anticipating my next step to this necessary voyage. And, and welcome to it, Jen. Um, may it be an amazing voyage for you like it's been for me. We had a, a really sort of painfully open email from a listener uh, who wrote, Thank you so much for all your work you do putting together the podcast each week. I found the podcast on iTunes a few months ago and began listening from episode one. I listen to two or so podcasts per week as I drive to and from work. I've been in Al-Anon since about 96, but haven't been going to meetings regularly since I moved a few years ago. I will always need Al-Anon, but not, do not currently live with active alcoholism, so it is easy to get busy with other things and not attend meetings. I relate to so much of what each of you say. I am just finishing up the podcast on Step 5. I think I could make a million comments on each episode because I so relate. It is nice to have a podcast format, as I'm forced to keep my mouth shut. Smiley face. I've been planning to write since I first started listening, but I always get busy as soon as I leave my car. That's probably a good thing. I do want to say that I especially appreciate listening as I've been having a lot of issues with my daughter. I have three teenagers, and with their family history, I fully expected that someday I would have to deal with drug and alcohol issues with at least one of them. But I did not expect mental illness. My 17-year-old recently, about five weeks ago, attempted to take her own life. That completely took me by surprise. I feel like I have tools to deal with alcohol and drugs, but suicide? Totally outside my realm of expectations slash ability to deal. She has since been diagnosed with a bipolar mood disorder and is currently taking medication and attending therapy. She is improving, so that is good. What I have found is that I can still use the same tools that I learned in Al-Anon. Initially, I was lost, confused, so many feelings. But now I am back to using what I have learned. She has to make her own choices. If she chooses not to take her medi- take medication, that is her option. I can only deal with my stuff, can't force things on her. Anyway, I am so grateful that I have skills from this program that I can use during this. I always use Alanon throughout my life, but this current crisis was a shocker. Thank you so much for being there. I especially appreciate Spencer sharing about his issues with his son. I love the reminders that I get from the podcast, and I love listening to your share and your insights. It's nice to know that even though we are separated by miles and miles, the program is the same in your snowy neck of the woods. I'm in California. I'm going to an amazing conference this weekend, Serenity in Yosemite. I cannot wait. I will definitely be sharing your podcast with my program friends there. Someday, maybe I'll see all of you at a conference somewhere. Don't be surprised if a stranger hears your voice and runs up and hugs you like your old friends. Again, thank you so much for all that you do. And, uh, yeah... <laughs> I don't think I have anything to add to that. Uh, you want to read Anne's uh, email, Maria? Sure. Um, Anne wrote, At some point nearly every night, I'd put earphones in and l- listen to Spencer, Swetha, Kelly, and other guest hosts work this fabulous 12-step program. Though the hosts vary more often now, Spencer's at all's ability to continue to deliver first-rate meeting material 
amazes and delights me. Thank you so much. Still listening, Anne. And uh, Rachel. And Rachel sent thanks. I'm just beginning to take baby steps towards recovery. My husband and I began our relationship in high school, and he has been an active alcoholic since his early teens. When we were young, it didn't seem like a big deal that he drank a lot. I don't have any other addiction issues in my family, so I was ill-prepared to recognize any warning signs. It was normal amongst our group of friends during college to binge drink and party, and so now that we are in our 30s, I am only now becoming aware of how this has affected both us and our relationship. I am working up to attending a meeting. I am very busy with my work, and so finding time and or energy to attend is difficult, and this is my well-worn excuse for avoiding anything that is new or that will be in self-service. I'm so grateful to have found your podcast on iTunes. The first episode that I listened to had a musical break with Concrete Blonde's Joey, which has been a theme song of mine since the late 90s. I try to listen to the universe when it screams at me, and this was certainly one of those times. I was being told in no uncertain terms that I should should subscribe, and so I did. I'm still working on back episodes, but every time I listen, uh, the topic and conversation resonates with me. It's nice to have more awareness of the issues that surround the disease and that I'm not crazy. Also, I think society often perpetuates this idea that if you have a spouse who's a drunk that you should leave, you're better off on your own, etc. And as I have no intention of leaving him, it's helpful to know that others have kept their addicts in their life as well. So keep recording and I'll keep listening. Thank you for the work you were doing, Rachel. You know, I kind of feel like here we are, we're talking about doing first things first and, uh, you know, maybe uh, you can work up to attending your meeting, huh? <laughs> uh, Holly said, keep up the good work. Dear Spencer, I'm writing to express my gratitude to you, Kelly and Swetha, for all that you have given to the Recovery Show's audience. You've all shared your courage, strength, and hope, your wonderful outlook, and your intelligent insights. I anticipated that the commitment level necessary to do a weekly podcast might not be sustainable forever. And though Kelly and Swetha have left the show, they are demonstrating the three A's and self-care. My hope is that Kelly and Swetha, either individually or together, might occasionally return as guest hosts. They are such wonderful speakers. If that is not possible, I understand and wish them well for all that they have already given of themselves to all of us. Thanks again to you and all of your guests. Blessings, Holly. And thank you, Holly. And, you know, we we don't know what the future will bring. Uh, We intend to keep going, and we will just see what happens. So um, you can listen live, as uh, a few people did today. Oh, and I see uh, Mark from the Recovered Podcast has joined us briefly. Um, he says, that email sounds just like my wife. Well, we didn't have any, anybody who admitted to your wife's name there, so um, <laughs> don't think that's it. I'm not sure which one you're referring to, but that's okay. Uh, so, yes, so we have some people in the chat room listening live, and you can do that too. It Unfortunately, we're not on a really uh, completely regular recording schedule, so um, if you click on the Listen Live link at the top of the page, you can find a little bit of instructions about about how to listen, and if you click on through to the Mixler site, which is what we're using for our live broadcast, you can follow us, and then they'll send you an email when we're going to be recording. And I also try to post on the website uh, at least a day, hopefully two days ahead, maybe even longer if I'm really on top of my game, uh, when we're going to be recording, what time and what day. And so you can also subscribe by email to the website and get the website posts each day in your email. There's a link at the top of the page on the website that says something like by email, and I think it has a little picture of an envelope. Click there, follow some simple instructions, and you'll get them in your daily email. Uh, Oh, our next episode will not be recorded live. I'll be assembling the contributions that that some of you have sent me, and as as we said earlier, if you want to send us your story, please do. Just um, 
need it pretty soon. And, you know, if you send it after we finish recording that episode, we'll, we'll use it. We'll use it later. We, we don't, we don't throw stuff away because, uh, sometimes, hey, and we might not have anything to talk about. Yeah, that won't happen. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to the recovery show, but we do have expenses which run about $50 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Angela did. If you're in the U.S., you can contribute by ordering from Amazon. And for the last week of November, which is a very special, huge, big shopping week in uh, in our country, we have added an Amazon link to the donation basket on our website. I think it says Black Friday or something on it. Uh, they, they, they rotate it a little bit. And if you click on this link before you place your Amazon order, we will receive a small commission from Amazon. It costs you nothing extra, and it helps to keep us on the air. And I'll just say I ordered some stuff for the podcast from Amazon uh, a couple days ago, and since I can't benefit from my own link, I went over to our uh, sister podcast site, uh, recoveredcast.com, and, and used their Amazon link to place that order, so Recoveredcast will get a little commission from the stuff I bought for the podcast. We've also put together a list of recovery-related books. If you click on the books link at the top of the page, and uh, you can see the, the list of books there. And if you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, again, we receive a small commission. Thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us, because we are here for you. And Adrian, what's our final song? We will close the show with More Love by the Dixie Chicks. This song speaks of filling up our lives so we don't have to make choices and open our hearts. We're afraid to be idle, so we fill up the days. We run on the treadmill, keep slaving away till there's no time for talking about trouble in mind, and the doors are all closed between your heart and mine. I'm so close to you, baby, but I'm so far away. There's a silence between us. And there's so much to say You're my strength, you're my weakness You're my faith, you're my doubt We gotta meet in the middle To work this thing out For love I can hear our hearts crying For love I know that's all we need For love Flowing between Thank you for listening and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so that we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time. Oh